two. You're listening to Not Just Rainbows and Unicorns. Warning, warning. This podcast was recorded by Nicole and Michael Van Putten with dangerous and impressive style. We're coming to you from Kalamazoo, Michigan. And this week we have even more exciting topics to share with you from our adventures over the past week. Visit us online at notjustrainbows.net. There you can view show notes, add your comments, and send questions and suggestions for future episodes. And we'd love to hear from you. Good morning, Nicole, and a happy podcast Saturday. We had to do the intro a second time this morning because for whatever reason, I didn't arm the other tracks and was only recording myself. So good morning again, beautiful. Hello, I'm here. We're here. We're all here. And what a beautiful day it is today. It is uh, practically the polar opposite of what we were having in terms of weather last week. It's sunny and 74 degrees outside and not not horribly humid. It's been a little humid. What's, what's your take on the weather this week, Nicole? Um, it has been kind of boring. It's been boring. You know, I got this... Um, Galileo thermometer slash barometer, which is a lot of fun to say. Because that was a birthday present too, wasn't it? It was barometer thermometer, and it's got a lot of R's in it. I like it. Um, and I got it, and I was very excited. I set it up, and wah, 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 it did not work. Was it a Houston, we have a problem type of a situation? Well, I set it up and it didn't do anything. I thought, well, the weather is not really doing anything, so maybe it's just not doing anything. So I contacted the company and I'm going to call them out because it was the weirdest situation to contact this company. It's the Accurite company, which I normally like their thermometers. We have a lot of thermometers in our house because I'm a little weather crazy. Um, and I contacted them and you can't contact them directly. You have to contact them in a roundabout way because everybody is having staffing issues now because of COVID. And so you have to, you have to email them and then wait. And I thought you would email them and then wait and they would contact you for a chat or a phone call, but no, you email them back and forth. So the woman I was chatting with wanted to know how I knew it was not working. And I was, I, I was thinking, well, I just... I, okay, I ma'am, we appreciate your call. <laughs> now, we understand that your thermometer may not be working. Now, let, help us to understand how, how you've determined this. Did the call go somewhat like that? Well, the email, she, she wanted to know how I knew the temperature was not correct. She said, what are you using to compare the temperature to? And I, I was thinking, um, a thermometer? I, I, I'm sticking my finger in the air and going, yep, that's about right. It feels like it's about that degrees. I, 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 like, what do you mean? How do I know? I, I'm looking at another thermometer or the 70 other apps on my phone that tell me what the temperature is. Now, the, the other thing with this is this is <laughs> this is a glass thermometer. Like, it's a glass tube, looks somewhat phallic, I've heard, um, and has, like, water in it. And or like it looks these, like a spaceship. These little beads and stuff inside it. And this is not a thermometer that is meant to sit out on the back porch this is an indoor thermometer right it is it tells you the temperature and it tells you if if rain's a coming so it's <laughs> the kind of in a controlled pressure. environment it you is. should 
you be able to tell what the temperature is, it's whatever it's, the thermostat is set to. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. There are little bulbs that float to the top, and if the the bulb, and it doesn't tell you, it doesn't tell you exactly precisely what the temperature is. It tells you approximately. It's it's more of like a, it's not a gimmick, but it's a lot of people who live off grid use it because it tells you just about what the temperature is, and it tells you that. Without using electricity or the internet. It's kind of neat. And I've always wanted one. So now I have one. The problem is, is that the one that I got did not work. And the internet Reddit told me, uh, just tap on it a little bit. And I thought they were joking because, you know. I thought you said that they said to shake it. Well, they did. But they're like, no, don't do that. Just tap on it a little bit. And the little bulbs will will, uh, rejigger, reconfigure themselves. It wakes them up. I guess so. They just need a little a little tap. Tappity tap. So I tapped on it. And what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. So I guess my thermometer slash barometer is just not working correctly. So I told the AccuRite person, it's not working. It's not functioning properly. And when she asked me how I knew it wasn't working, I said, I, I don't know. I just know. Just trust me, it's not working. So I sent her a photo because she needed photographic evidence that it was not working. Photographic I, evidence? I don't know. I guess maybe people lie a lot that their thermometer and barometer aren't functioning right. So I sent her a picture and I was honestly expecting another email back of, of maybe tips, tricks, something, how to fix it, maybe dump all the water out reset it up no what i got the next morning was a alert from fedex that i was going to get a new thermometer barometer from accurate so what you got was a notification that another order had shipped exactly and i'm not paying for this order so i was like what is going on but they didn't tell you like hey we're sending you a replacement here's what to do with the old stuff exactly it was just another one's coming your way and how did they get my address? They didn't ask for my address. They just sent it to me. So this is kind of like mysterious service. Not kind of. It's super weird. So now I have two Galileo thermometer slash barometers. So I, I just opened it up, the second one, and I, I didn't get the barometer part of it out because I thought, well, you know, I want to see if the thermometer part, the spaceship part, works and i put the the thermometer on the table next to the the one that shows the incorrect temperature i put it on the table and i gave a little tap just because i don't know if that's what the internet told me to do to the first one and it shows the exact same temperature as the first one i thought you know what (laughs) i need to leave this alone i just need to leave it alone because i'm going to smash it on the floor into and a, is into that a, where the status of it is now is exactly yeah. where it was before exactly yep. oh my gosh i don't know what's going on so maybe maybe it just well ma'am maybe you just don't know how to read the temperature <laughs> i have no idea what's happening and david my brother david said that he has a friend who knows a lot about these galileo thermometer how barometers does your brother know a guy I don't for, know. For he this. knows a lot of guys. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. And the guy has a really interesting name. 
um, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to look this guy's name up because the guy's name was it was interestingly enough. It was interesting enough that I knew. He says his name is Mr. Says, Fahrenheit Barometer he says, Peterson. I got sorry, David. I'm reading your text aloud. He says, got a buddy that talks about this all the time. He's very off-grid. He's always talking about his Galileo thermometer and worm juice. He talks about worm juice. Honestly, I wouldn't know. His name is Wannis. Wannis? W-A-N-N-I-S. So, Wannis, if you're out there, you need to contact me because I need more information. I need to know how to fix this. He's the phone of friend in this scenario. Yes, because Accurite not helpful at all i'm afraid to actually contact them again because i don't want a third i don't want a third box showing up in my house <laughs> i just want to fix the first one or the second one and quite possibly the third yeah quite that possibly i'm sure the third. will be coming along in a short time yeah if you need a collection of galileo thermometers slash barometers i guess buy one and just keep talking to their tech support because they'll just keep sending them to you well that's my story so the company's <laughs> name should not be AccuRite. it should be something the opposite of that right accu ship you more stuff that in wrong <laughs> thank you for calling in wrong home of the broken barometers and thermometers how you, can i direct your call you can't even call them that uh, they, they have weird tech support anyway Anyway, you have better luck calling Santa's Village. Probably, I, I guess. Oh, so Wannis, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, apologies. I need to speak to you. We have some questions for you, sir. We will be sending a subpoena <laughs> shortly. <laughs> you could be on the podcast. Oh, you're off grid. Well, I don't know. Send me some smoke signals or something. You probably can contact him the same way you contact AccuRite, it sounds like. <laughs> so we have a follow-up item, an update, as they say, right, Nicole? An update? Yes. An uh, update. From our last podcast, we had the question, what are people in a parade called? Yeah, do you know the answer? I'm going to guess paraders. No, it's a procession a or a brigade. procession. Or a brigade. So yep. that's what the individual people are called? Well, I'm a brigade no, a, a, in a parade? A, a group of people is a, a person. It's just a person. Just a person in a parade. But if you have, like, you know, or a, I guess a clown or a musician or whatever. But if you have a group of people, it's a procession of people or a brigade of people. So individual sets of people are a procession. Yes. Okay, I buy that. And then the guy in the front, or the girl in the front, the person in the front. The participant. Yes, the... is the Grand Marshal, which I'm going to leave that alone, but it's the Grand Marshal. Is that for the entire parade or for just the procession of that section of the parade? Do the, each of them no, have a Grand Marshal? No, the, the main person in front, the, the head the head person in charge is the Grand Marshal. I wish they were called the Grand Poobah. Yeah, I don't think they called that. It's just the the grand marshal. All right. Now, how? Where did you uh, find the answer to that question? Where I find a lot of stuff, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Gosh, what did we? I know what we did before Wikipedia, but what did we do before Wikipedia? I don't know. Go to the library. 
when I was growing up, there was either the World Book Encyclopedia or Britannica. Those were your two choices for encyclopedias. Did you ever, did you have either of those in your home? I don't, I don't know. Were they on a CD-ROM? Well, the originals were actually printed volumes. No, we, And then you would get a yearbook at each year for updates. No, I just went to the library. We had World Book in my family growing up. They were hardbound red volumes. They were very nice. I think yeah. they probably cost as like the entire set probably cost as much as a computer, like two grand or something like that. I'm guessing. No, we just went. I just went to the library. We had our own library. We were so fancy. <laughs> well, aren't you special? The yearbooks really were fun. They would kind of give a summary update of everything that had happened that year. Yeah, everything is online now. I so I grew up with World Book. And then, since we're talking about encyclopedias, the next was the Encarta Encyclopedia CD-ROM that came with my first computer. Yeah, I remember that. That thing was pretty much worthless. I don't know. I liked the Encarta uh, Encyclopedia. It had multimedia stuff on it, so it had video clips and audio clips, and I really liked that a lot. Like, It had some famous speeches, so you could listen to the audio on it. This is, was pre-internet, so it was like, ooh, super cool. All on one single CD-ROM. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I looked some things up on it, but I preferred the library. Hmm. When, when you went to the library, did they have a wooden card catalog, or was everything on computers by that time? Well, I'm not that much younger than you. It was a card catalog. I, I I didn't want to presume, you know. I'm what, like less than a year younger than you? Yeah, it was well, a Well, young lady, do you recall <laughs> when you'd go to the library? If, did they have periodicals at that time? I mean, now you were telling me last, was it last week, the week before, that the library literally has everything. Like you can go and you can check out stuff for baking a cake. You can. At our library, they have a a library of things. That's just, it's amazing. Yeah. What What a marvel. Yeah, it's pretty nice. So I'm perusing our show notes. What topic would you like to talk about next, Nicole? Well, we have been getting these mysterious postcards ah yes and it's been it's been weird when when did it start well i'm looking at the postcards right now and it started last fall and i don't know why but i just put the postcard on our refrigerator it's a it's a scenic postcard like I'll paint a picture for everyone. (laughs) It's a bridge with trees over the top, the changing colors. It looks like it's a park, really. Just to be, just to cut it short for people who get bored like I do with scenic picture painting. It's a bridge with trees that are changing colors. That's it. Part of what makes this unusual in terms of whether it be a postcard or another piece of mail is... Typically, there is something communicated on said piece of mail. Yeah, there's no message. This particular case. And 
and it's not even quite a standard size. It's like a widescreen panoramic picture right. of something. So it's not the size of a normal card. Pretty picture on one side. No information other than where it was mailed from, and each one that we've received is not from the same address, right? Right, and it's addressed to current residents, resident, and then our our address. And one of them is from Connecticut, and the spring one is from uh, Livonia, Michigan, and the summer one is from San Antonio, Texas. Hmm. Uh, the spring one is daffodils. The summer one is a a beach. Looks like the Caribbean. I don't know. Yeah. So we've received three. And I kept all three, of course, because I once I got the spring one, I thought, this is really weird. I'm keeping these. So I've just kept them on the refrigerator. I put them up under a magnet. And I'm wondering if we're going to get a winter one as well. But I could not figure out by looking up the address of the the fall one, the... Um, the Windsor, Connecticut, nothing came up under that. So I looked up the the Windsor, Connecticut and the Livonia, Michigan one, and I figured it out. It's from a, a marketing company called Velasis, and they have locations in all of those locations that they've the return addresses in. And why they're sending postcards out randomly, I have no idea. But they work with some pretty big companies. They work with um, Clorox, Subway, Unilever, Ace Hardware, Smuckers, um, Wayfair, PepsiCo. They work with some big companies. So I don't know why they're sending us postcards with nothing on it but michael always says well they got us talking didn't they yeah <laughs> you know while we're sitting here and you're describing it that you know we didn't i i didn't have the information about where they came from but now i'm thinking that i might know why that they're sending these out okay well why all right so here's my guess to be able to show that a marketing method is effective you want to be able to have data to show that it is effective. So in digital marketing, which I work in, um, you know, you, you place an ad and you look at how many impressions you got and if somebody clicked through and if somebody purchased something. What they may be doing is trying to demonstrate how effective mail is if you get a unique piece of mail and sending those out to communities and then they might be doing like phone follow-ups or like a mail follow-up to test recall. So like, do you recall receiving any unusual mail? Do you recall receiving anything that looked something like this? And to use that to scientifically, statistically show that people do recall when they get a unique postcard in the mail. I would bet it's something to do with that. So do you think that we'll receive a phone call or something? We might, um, but the, the thing with phone calls is a lot of times with studies like this, they do random samples, so not everybody gets the follow-up because otherwise it's either you use the expense to send it to everybody or you do a random sample of the population that received the stimulus and see what the results are. 
statistically. I bet it's something like that. Isn't that fascinating or is that just boring? No, it is interesting and it's a interesting way for companies to you know, figure out who's paying attention. And of course, people like me who can't let something die because I get obsessed with tiny little things in my world. You know, there are other people like me out there. I think it's similar to the local outdoor advertising companies that will put up fake campaigns. Like there was, what was it like? There was a big eye, like just an eyeball on a, on a billboard that a lot of people on our local Reddit were talking about. I never figured out. And there was something with outhouses one year and they use it to demonstrate that you can generate buzz and conversation because people start to say, what is this all about? We're curious. Yeah. The cards are not quite as mysterious as that because it's just scenic um, things, but it stands out for all of the other things that we saw and it got our attention. Right. So if somebody was going to do traditional mail, direct mail marketing like that, that would potentially work still, at least for people like us, our age group, our generation, everything. Yeah, it worked. We're talking about it. That we are. So there is that. We calling that one solved? Yeah, I would say it's solved. I mean, if we get a phone call, if we get a follow-up, that would be exciting. I know it's the little things that get me, but that would be super exciting. If you do, what you can tell them is we were expecting your call. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, I'm going to record this because you are going to be on our podcast. Please understand that this call may be recorded (laughs) for inclusion in a podcast. For entertainment purposes only. (laughs) (laughs) Please keep your arms inside of the podcasting vehicle. All right. So that's that mystery. Uh, The next thing we need to talk about is something that has been bothering us for quite a while, I would say. Uh, Probably a few years. And we just did nothing about it. Because I, it never occurred to me to do something about it. I just thought, oh, this is life. This is, this is our life. And then you said, okay, we need, to, we need to fix this problem. And I thought, oh, yeah, we probably could do something about that, right? And this is probably a, a problem that has been festering for 19 years. Meaning yeah, <laughs> since a we long moved time, in. yeah. A really long time. And this is pro- a problem that a lot of people have. And they just... They just deal with it. It's just, uh, okay, I'll put you all out of your misery. We bought a new hose reel. Bum, bum, bum. It's amazing. <laughs> we bought a new reel for our hose and not just any hose reel, a super fancy hose reel. It's, it's really nice. We just put it together before we came up to record this episode. This is the, the... Tesla of hose reels. This is not the $80 hose reel. This is the, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm about to say this. This is the almost $400 hose reel. (laughs) This hose reel has a lifetime guarantee and is made by a company in Wisconsin. Why don't I know where this hose reel is made? It's made by a company in, I don't know. It's made by a company in the United States, which I I guess is important. It's made by a company that's owned by Brothers, 
And they spent a lot of time making these hose reels. It's called Ely. They're very, very well designed. Yes, it's E-L-E-Y. And this thing is amazing. I I will say before, because like we had a conversation, we had kind of like a, hey, let's have a little summit and talk about this before we actually buy it. Like Nebraska, sorry. Do we really want to (laughs) (laughs) go Huskers? Um, Do we really want to spend this kind of money on a hose reel? Yes. And the thing is, with all of the hose reels that we've had over the past 19 years, we have likely spent more than that. Yes, we probably have. We usually get those... The plastic ones that have... It's the have, same that everybody gets. It's yeah, the only ones available. The plastic right. ones. At Lowe's or Menards or Home Depot. And they have the plastic wheels that that they turn, but they don't turn. And if you're wheeling them back and forth across your yard, which we do because, believe it or not, people actually steal hose reels in our area. I don't know why. Well, what they're are, probably are, hoping that they find one of these ones sitting there for them. Yeah, what are people doing with hose reels and hoses? But people do steal them. So we can't leave our hose reel outside. We have to wheel it back and forth to the garage. So the wheels turn, but they fall off, and rolling it through the grass is There was no clearance on the last one, and that's what I was griping about. The the wheels literally have a plastic kind of, they had a plastic like fender that extends to the ground. So as you're trying to wheel it one place or another whether it it doesn't wheel on paved surfaces and on a grass-like surface where you would be using a lawn or using a hose all it does is scrape crap and it i basically would have to lift the entire hose reel and carry it in the air to wherever we were going to go and it's like there has to be something better there has to be something that actually has wheels and clearance this this is insane and you went to work with your research extraordinary skills and ability and you found this yes they're they're pretty fantastic and everybody says it's it's the hose reel to buy and yes we are of the age where we get excited about things like Hose reels. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, we're getting a hose reel. Oh, my God. This is, was very exciting for us. So Michael put it together. We took the the hose, which we have a really nice water hose. We really do. I got it at Ace Hardware, and I bought a construction-grade one because we were tired of buying new hoses. It's a really nice hose. It I doesn't will, kink. It doesn't yeah. have problems. It's It is a really nice. good hose. It was a good purchase. Now it has a reel as nice as it. Yeah, I know. So this reel has big tires. That's what I Googled. Hose reel, large wheels. And that's what I found. I was like, I am not spending that much money. And I was like, ugh, let's just spend the money. We'll do it and we won't have to buy it again. And like the difference between the two, because I've assembled all of these all this time, everything is metal. Which is fantastic. The wheels and it won't rust. It's rust-proof metal. It has really knobby wheels, which is fantastic, because then it doesn't like get stuck in the lawn. And I honestly, I never thought that I would be excited about a hose reel like I am with this one. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty fantastic. I. Uh, I love it. It's great. I can't wait to use it. I'd said, I wish we had a something to use the hose with, but we have the, no. The, we have no hose using things 
today. the joke after we were putting it together because that was a, a process. We put it together in the entryway of our house, and Clementine was particularly curious about all this activity, and so she came and laid right next to me and wanted to sniff all the parts and everything. And it, it went together pretty quick. And we're like, okay, it's together. Here's this expensive hose reel. My my comment was, and they never watered their lawn again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we don't water our lawn, though. No, we don't. No. It's like we, just the scenario of we got this hose reel, and then we never have a need for using a hose ever again somehow. Yes. Because that would be our luck, wouldn't it? It's like we yeah. problem solved, and then we don't need it anymore. Yeah. The last time we used our hose was last week when we needed to use um use water to get vomit off the <laughs> off the uh that is car seat cover. A really excellent segue nicole i know thank you Some we had sort. to get the uh the car seat cover clean because wilhelmina threw up all over the back seat well all over the car seat cover she had been having stomach issues as well as other end issues which i think we talked about in previous we episodes did. yeah she was she was not well last week and guess what she was not well again this week because wilhelmina likes to go to the veterinarian that's what she does <laughs> she is a frequent vet goer because her mom and dad care about her a lot and we want her to live as long a life as possible so when she was having continued, continual digestive problems. We returned to the vet, which we were told to do. We're not like frequent flyers for vets because, you know, we're crazy or anything. It's because... Oh, no, I'm, I'm a crazy pet owner. I, I was trying to casually cover for you, my dear. <laughs> She's crazy. No, but Wilhelmina was truly having issues. She, she definitely was. It was. It was not fantastic. So she has more stomach medicine, and we have to change her kibble because that's our life now. So If it works, that's our life. No, I mean, it's fine. They used to eat a kibble called Royal Canaan, and because of COVID, we had to switch them to the sister food of Royal Canaan, Yukonuba, because there were shortages. We couldn't find Royal Canaan. And they did okay. On, they're doing okay on Yukonuba, I think. I don't know. Clem's Maybe. doing okay. If if the diet is the right. cause of it, Wilhelmina is hit and miss depending on the day of the week. Right. I think that Yukonuba is all right. I think they did better on Royal Canaan. Um, when we switched them over to Royal Canaan a few years ago, that would have been three or four years ago, Royal Canaan was about, I think it was... $65 a bag when it was on sale and I just checked the price of the Royal Canaan kibble and oh my gosh it is almost $90 a bag which is just insane that's to like me. premium hose reel money there holy moly and the Yukonuba used to be $50 a bag and the Yukonuba is now $70 a bag the kibble, the cost of kibble is insane. It's just crazy. I will only get, well, now it's Clem's food. I'll only get Clem's kibble when it's on sale. And even on sale, it's it's $65 a, a bag, which is still really, really expensive. So, But the, the cost of everything is going up. It's not just those particular brands, like right. everything. Like you, even if you were getting the cheapest you know, 
dime store, dollar store kibble, it's going to still be more expensive than it was before. Well, that I don't know. I didn't check the other kibbles. I'm imagining everything went up. I know that Royal Canaan went up because of supply chain issues, but Royal Canaan is really a premium brand dog food. And I like Royal Canaan a lot because they have an actual veterinarian uh, food person on their staff who helps calculate and formulate all of their different types of um, their different types of kibble types, which I know sounded really weird. Different but they, types of kibble types. Well, they have different <laughs> types of kibble formulated for different types of dogs. So you can buy a Royal Canaan kibble just for a dachshund or just for a, a border collie. And those types of kibble are made specifically for that specific breed and what that breed might need that is different than, you know, a, uh, a, a, I can't think of another type of breed of dog, an Australian Shepherd. It's, it's a really nice dog food company. And the, the food that we're feeding Wilhelmina is prescription. It's digestive care. It's a lower fat food meant for dogs who have GI issues and fat tends to be harder to digest for dogs who have problems with um, vomiting and diarrhea. So I don't know. And our vet really, really wants us to start her on a uh, probiotic and prebiotic which Michael knows a lot about those and we just we've tried so many times to start her on one and she she can't eat anything else she gets sick her belly can't take anything besides kibble that's it kibble and water anything else and it all goes sideways (laughs) it's a mess she's a mess yeah, it's been a problem that we've continued to try to resolve over time. It was, we think, aggravated by one of the um, medications or remedies for, what, ticks or or something like that? Yeah. Or heartworm or whatever? We gave her a, uh, a different flea and tick medication, Brevecto, and it's a longer-lasting flea and tick, and we think her system was overloaded, so... Every there time, is one thing that has been longer lasting from that adventure. Yeah, every time she gets a flea and tick treatment now, she gets sick. And she has to have a flea and tick treatment. So we've even gone a couple months without giving her flea and tick and just crossed our fingers and you know kept her inside as much as possible. And we just watch her very, very carefully. But it's been just... It's been a pain in the neck. It really has. Not something I recommend to anyone to ever experience. Yeah, I don't think it's something that anybody gets to by choice. It's circumstance that gets them to that point. Yes. But we're dealing with it, and hopefully this food will help with that problem, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it in upcoming episodes as well. Yeah, because I'm sure that other people are experiencing weird GI issues in their dogs and they have no idea what to do because really we're just winging it right now that's all we're doing 
We are winging it. <laughs> That's what one does when they haven't experienced something before and already know what the answer is. It's not like those fancy books that you like to read where you read the ending first so that you know how the mystery is going to turn out. Well, yeah, I know. Oh, well. So, yeah, that's Wilhelmina. In other news, I had my birthday last week and my parents ordered me a a cake, a ketogenic, gluten-free, dairy-free cake from a bakery in Georgia called Zambawango. Do you think that's how you pronounce it? Zambawango? That Z- sounds... Zambawango, yeah. Zambawango. It's Z-A-M-B-A-W-A-N-G-O. So there's probably a couple different ways we could pronounce that. Right. I don't know. Zamawama Cake Shop. <laughs> it's in Georgia. And it was a carrot cake. And it was a... Michael and I liked it. It was, it was good. It comes frozen. They make them fresh there. And then they... They probably, I'm. this is my guess, they probably make them fresh, they flash freeze them, and then they ship them overnight. That is my guess as to how it's done. I could be totally wrong, but they arrive frozen solid, so I think that's, I think that's how they do it. I don't recall if we said this at the beginning or not, but what's special about this bakery is that they, they're a keto bakery, right? Yeah, that's what I said. It's a it's a ketogenic, dairy-free, sugar-free, gluten-free cake. I was so enamored with the notes, I didn't hear you say that. So, but I mean, that puts it into context of this is an expensive cake because it's a keto cake, and then pair that with it has to get flash frozen or however they do their magic, and then shipped out straight away. It's not an inexpensive adventure to have one of these cakes. It is not, no. Um I have been wanting to try their baked goods because usually for my birthday, I bake my own cake because, you know, when you're the baker in the family and you are the person who knows how to bake and you do ketogenic eating, you are going to end up baking your own cake because you can't just go to a bakery and say, I need a sugar-free, gluten-free, dairy-free cake because the baker will look at you like you're an insane person. So my parents were really nice and they ordered a cake from this company and had it delivered. So we all tried it. My parents did not like it. (laughs) They did not like it. Um, Michael and I thought it was okay. It was a denser cake. It it yeah. had nice flavor to it. It did not taste or have the texture that keto baking often does have, which it means it wasn't mushy. It wasn't weird and gross. It just was like a, a dense, denser type of cake, almost like a pound cake. The flavor was nice. The cream cheese was tasty. Um, very, very filling cake for sure. Yeah, I make a carrot cake that is very good, that we like, and we like my carrot cake better, and my guess is that my carrot cake is tastes better to us because it has um, protein powder, 
almond flour and coconut flour in it. And this cake just has almond flour and maybe coconut flour. And so it's, it's not as light and fluffy. Yeah. So those ingredients is what really makes the cake have that light fluffy texture. Yes, it does. It, it makes a big difference. I think that those three ingredients can change the texture completely. It makes it taste more like you're using regular flour. It, it does. And they probably, the Zamba, Zamba, Zambo, Zambo, Wango <laughs> maybe doesn't use the protein powder um, because maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's an allergy thing. They might not use more almond flour or more coconut flour because of allergies. Some people who order cakes from them might request more coconut flour, more almond flour, less of more, less of one, less of the other because of allergies. I know that some people like recipes with all coconut flour because they're allergic to nuts. They can't have almonds. Some people can't have coconuts or almonds, and so they look for recipes that are just, you know, like my peanut butter cookies. They have no, no flour in them at all. So it just depends on who you are and what you do. So everybody eats the ketogenic diet for different reasons. If you had the opportunity to have that cake again or try one of their other ones or not do it again, where would you fall as far as your experience with this particular bakery? Uh, I think that if I was there if I was in Georgia I would probably want to try some more of their stuff but I don't know that I would order more well I don't know I I might order more things from them but the problem that I have is that I can I can make all of the stuff that they make I know how to bake it I guess if I was making it if I guess if I was ordering it to send to someone who wasn't close to us who who was a ketogenic eater and it was a very special occasion and I could not send it to them myself and it was just easier to order it and send it to them that would be when I would order it for someone are there any other keto bakeries that you think are like as exceptional as this particular one that are standouts? I have never tried another ketogenic bakery, but I know that our neighbors, Shayla and Robbie, we've talked to Shayla on our podcast before. They they're, they have a relative who owns a bakery in Michigan. I think it's up north. I think it's called Bliss Bakery. I'll look it up and link it in the show notes because I just saw Robbie discussing it on social media one of the social medias that I follow Robbie on it's I think it's called Bliss Bakery and I think it's an allergen free or an allergen it's an allergen bakery so I think they do um, gluten-free dairy-free but I don't know if it's sugar-free I don't want to start a rumor so for our hi mom for our one listener out there (laughs) um, I think they do some allergen baking Oh, I will have to look that up. And I do believe they come to Kalamazoo occasionally to sell their wares. I've never had any of their stuff, 
but it's another option for people who are in Michigan and want to try some baking from another person. Maybe it's more convenient. I don't know. Yeah. I, I know there aren't a lot of ketogenic bakeries around, so maybe I need to start my own ketogenic bakery. You've said that a couple times before, even when you weren't doing the keto stuff. I think that must be one of your dreams. Start a bakery. Yeah, I, um, I think that people don't, a lot of people don't know how to bake well. They, they think that ketogenic food tastes bad and they don't realize that it can taste good. It really can. And so they try to bake sugar-free stuff and they are immediately turned off because they don't realize that what they've done is they've tried it once, it didn't turn out, and they think, well, this sucks. But they haven't tried the right recipe. And I just feel badly for the people who have not tried the right recipe. That's all. It's a very sweet thing of you. Yes, but don't get me wrong. I would charge them a lot of money. <laughs> well, that, I think that's part of the challenge. If, if people are trying to do baked goods like this, the ingredients are not inexpensive. So if you spent a substantial amount of money and had it not turn out, it would be surprising if people's compulsion is, well, let's try that again. <laughs> Unless they were a really experienced baker. Right. It's the... Uh, the price of admission and the skill to do it well is substantial. Yeah, it is expensive. I mean, almond flour, coconut flour, protein powder, eggs, um, almond milk, butter. It's all very expensive. I'm guessing regular flour and sugar is expensive, but a bag of erythritol, it's super duper expensive. It's not cheap at all. And when you screw up a recipe... You've, I mean, it's not like, oh, I can kind of fudge it. <laughs> no pun intended. I can fudge it a little bit. You really can't. It's just the recipes died. It's gone. You have to start over. And almond flour is really easy to mess up because it burns very quickly. It can get very grainy. And it, like Michael said, if you don't, Put it in the right mixture it can get very mushy and it can just taste bad it can taste really bad and if you don't use the right combination of sugars erythritol stevia monk fruit it can have a weird aftertaste it's science people it's science keto science yeah it is it is it is so yeah, so that is what I think about that. Yeah. So, um, that's all I have to say about the cake. <laughs> <laughs> that's all the I have to end. say about that. Yeah, so today um, we are going, this afternoon we are going because I'm having pictures taken. Fancy. You're having fancy pictures taken. I am. I'm having pictures taken this afternoon of the inside of my head. Pictures of my brain. 
that's going to require some special camera and photography, huh? Yes. I am having a MRI, which is just a standard thing that I have done. Not a big deal. I'm not dying. No big thing. Um, but I'm having, for the first time, this is very exciting for me, because usually I have an MRI and they put me in the tube and I'm super claustrophobic, so they have to give me medication so I don't have a panic attack because I will have a panic attack. But this time, I'm having an MRI and an open and wide MRI, which I am so excited about. And I'm wondering if they'll let me take a photo of the open and wide MRI machine. I'm guessing they won't, but I'm still going to ask because I'm really excited about this machine. I Googled it and I watched a lot of videos on it. And apparently the openness and wideness of open and wide MRI machines varies from open and wide MRI machine facilities, which I did not realize until I started Googling it. And then I got a little nervous. Say more about that. What what made you nervous? Well, uh, I guess that not every open and wide MRI is equally open and wide. So I'm worried that maybe we'll get to KNI, the imaging place, and this particular open and wide MRI machine won't be as open and wide as I would prefer. And it will be a little claustrophobic-y. Is that a word? I will feel a little smushed in and panic attack will ensue. Well, that doesn't sound pleasant. I'm, I'm hoping for the opposite to occur. Yeah, I am not a big person on enclosed spaces. I don't even do well in elevators. Just don't do well. Don't put me in an elevator. No, thank you. So that evidently is very common. Yeah, my hope today is that the open and wide MRI machine will be very open and very wide. Yes, that is the hope. So, I will report back, maybe if I'm lucky with a photo. And even if I'm more lucky with a picture of the inside of my head, so everyone can see what this marvelous brain looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know you all want to know. My neurologist wants to know. So I know everybody else wants to know, too. Yeah. That'll be exciting to see. I know. Magical. I know. Very yeah. exciting. So, yeah, that's what we're doing this afternoon. And before we go, I just have a tip. Because I guess people did not know this. And I saw this on TikTok. And then I Googled it. And... I guess this is a real problem in the world that a lot of people have allergies and people carry EpiPens. The people who carry the EpiPens know how to use the EpiPens. But if you are around in the world and you don't carry an EpiPen, you obviously don't know how to use an EpiPen because you don't have allergies and you don't carry one. So... I'm here to assist all of the people of the world who might be out in the world and run into someone who is having an allergic reaction and they need to use an EpiPen and they never have. I have a rhyme for you to remember how to use an EpiPen. 
it goes. Blue to the sky, orange to the thigh. EpiPens have a blue tip. The blue tip is where the top is, and the orange tip is where the needle is. The orange tip is where the needle is. So you put the orange tip on the person's leg. Orange tip on the person's leg. Put the blue towards the sky. Blue to the sky. Orange to the thigh. It rhymes. It's very easy to remember. There are directions on the side of the EpiPen. All you have to do, blue to the sky, orange to the thigh, and then you press down on the plunger. The EpiPen does the rest for you. That's all you have to do. While you or someone else is giving the injection of Epi, someone else should be calling 911. Regardless, if the person you are giving the Epi to says, no, don't call 911, this happens all the time, you need to call 911. It's very important. That's a really good tip. That could be a life-saving tip. It absolutely could. Because sometimes one shot of Epi does not work. And the person who's having the anaphylactic reaction won't know that the Epi is not working until after you give the shot of Epi. So you should always call 911. And you should always help the person by remembering blue to the sky, orange to the thigh. You will never forget that. There you go. That's my tip. Great tip. And then I assume you're going to include that in the show notes on the website, which we'd love to have you listeners visit us there at notjustrainbows.net. There you can listen to past episodes. You can view show notes. We include a lot of helpful links to the things that we discuss in each episode. You can add your comments. You can contact us, and we'd love to hear from you. So visit notjustrainbow.net, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Have a great weekend, everybody. Goodbye.